and please have a seat. Believe it or not, we are in week 17 of this series that we're calling Already Finished But Not Yet Done. And it's about living in the space between Jesus' statements of it is finished and it is done. Or maybe a better way to say it would be the living in the mess. Because that's how I feel most of the time when I'm living in that space. And what we've seen in these two books that we're going through in Daniel and in Revelation is we've seen that God is telling a story of two kingdoms. One is his kingdom that is ruled by Christ and one is the world and its kingdom that is ruled by Satan. And in Revelation chapter 1 we saw, it was back in the 1st of June, we saw the full revelation of Christ. Eyes glowing, tongue like a sword, white hair, feet of, of glowing bronze. That's what Jesus looks like now and it is what he will look like when he returns and we'll see that at the end of Revelation. And then in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation we saw the message that Christ has for his bride, the church, for us. We are what he is doing now in the world. Right? And then we switched to Daniel and we saw how Daniel was in Daniel 1 through 4, in the, in the, the uh, messages we went through there, we saw how they were a people in exile, just living solid lives for the glory of God right where he had them. In Revelation 4, we got a glimpse of his glory, and we were in the throne room of God, and Sean taught about how worship was happening around the throne. In Daniel 5, then we were back in Daniel 5 and 6, where we saw how they humbly just served God right, right where they were and how he, God, exalted them, Daniel, because of their humility and service to him. Then in Daniel 7, we saw the power of prophecy. In Daniels 8 and 9, we saw the power of prayer. And that power of prayer showed up in Daniel 10, where we see this angel come down and he's telling Daniel about how his prayer caused God to send the angels and to eventually send Michael, the archangel, to do battle on his behalf. And we're going to see those angels again today. And then we were back in Revelation where we saw the Lamb of God worthy, slain, and he was the only one worthy to take the scroll, which was the deed of the, the ownership deed of all the earth. And he walks up to his father and he takes the scroll that had seven seals on it. And we saw those seven seals being broken. And then we saw these seven trumpets being blown in Revelation until the final trumpet was blown and the final judgment comes and we see, we saw last week as I was away, um, the beast comes at the, at the sound of that trumpet and, and it's his last ditch effort to try to rule the world. And then we're going to see next week, Lord willing, in chapters 15 through 17 about how God is going to bring an end to all of that judgment at the end of that trumpet being blown. But that brings us to today. And today we're going to finish up Daniel and we're going to see how Daniel is reminded and Daniel is reminding us that we have to, guys, in a world that is just full of chaos, we have to cling to the one we know, not to what we don't. And that's today's message, guys. We have to cling to the one we know and not to what we don't. Guys, remember this, I've said it before, in everything in your life and everything in the world that we see or you see as chaos, your Christ controls. Friendships that are disintegrating or marriages that are in trouble or what's going on in the Middle East, all of that is under God's sovereign control. And guys, if we don't cling to that and remind ourselves of that, 
um, we are going to live in fear all the time. Because the world, because that's where the enemy likes to work. Daniel's message for us today is just reminding us that the enemy, guys, 600 years before Christ, Daniel was in exile. He found himself in exile in a hostile land, and, and he is surrounded by the enemy. And the enemy has always wanted to get us to doubt, or to at the very least, to maybe question God's word. Right? That, was, that was at the fall. Did God really say that? Or if, if we don't doubt him or question him, we, we, he, the enemy tries to get us lost in the details of trying to figure out what's going on next. Even Christ's disciples struggled with that as, the, as Jesus taught them. And he also tries to get us just basically, and we're going to see this next week, to worship the wrong things. But all of it is for one reason. The enemy tries to get us to do all of that for one reason, and that is so that we will forget the one that we're supposed to be worshiping. Right? All sin. Guys, all, every, one, every sin I struggle with, and I have many, is a worship issue. It just is. Are we worshiping the one worthy of worship? So today's question is, in all the darkness around you, how in the world do you stay lit? In all the darkness around you, how in the world do you stay lit? Guys, how do we keep our eyes on the ultimate prize in a world that's just full of chaos and conflict and pain? Well, we're going to see that Daniel's going to tell us we're going to do it three ways. So here's the outline for today. The God who leads the nations is the one who lights our lives and is the lamp that leads the way home. Daniel is in an ongoing conversation with an angel. If you open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 11, it was over a month ago. It was the end of August that we were in Daniel 10. So I'll just remind you that Daniel is in this ongoing conversation with an angel, probably Gabriel, who is the archangel that is in charge of God's message, the one that comes to Mary about Jesus. And he always seems to be around when the message of God is being proclaimed, the gospel of God is being proclaimed. And he's in the middle of this conversation and Gabriel is going to remind him that God is the one who leads the nations. Look in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Daniel. It says, In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and protection to him. So the angel is flashing back. We've already gone forward in time, but he's flashing back in time to say, when Darius first took over, when Babylon fell and the Persians took over and Darius the Mede took the spot, I came to be an encouragement to him. And now I tell you the truth. So now he's back in, in current time for Daniel. Behold, three more kings are going to rise in Persia. And we saw this in chapter 2. If you remember back in Daniel chapter 2, when the Babylonians, when Nebuchadnezzar was king, we saw he had a dream of this statue, and it was the statue of the head of gold. And then there were these kingdoms that were going to come, and so the angel's reminding Daniel of that, because that was many years before in Daniel's life, maybe, um, maybe as many as 30 or 40 years earlier in Daniel's life. He says, he says there, are, there, are four, um, there are three more kings that are going to come in Persia. Then a fourth will gain much riches, more than all of them, and soon, and as soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece." And then a mighty king will arise and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. And we saw in chapter 7 and 8 of Daniel, and these messages are online, you can go back and listen to them, that, that what, chan what, what 
this person, this mighty king, was Alexander the Great, who was the greatest ruler in the history of the world at that point. He had conquered all of the known world by the time he was in his 30s. And then he died. And then it says, but as soon as he is arisen, his kingdom will be broken up and parceled out to four points of the compass, though not of its own descendants, nor according to his authority, which he wielded. For his sovereignty will be uprooted and given to those beside them. And I talked about it back, back when we were in Daniel 7 and 8, that after Alexander the Great died, he got a cold because he was drunk and he fell asleep on, the, on a roof and got a cold and he died. Four of his generals took over his kingdom. Two of them were Ptolemy and Seleucus. And they were the kings that are described later in verses 5 when it says, in verse 6 where it says, After some years they will form an alliance and the daughter of the king of the south and will come to the king of the north. These are the, these are the kingdoms that are being divided. And what's going to happen here is during this time, these four kingdoms are wrestling over world control. And all of this takes place between what is, what is called the intertestament or the, or the real dark ages, the intertestament period. The Old Testament ends with, with Nehemiah and Malachi and Haggai around 440 B.C. Jesus comes on the scene around zero, year zero, A.D., right? So in that 400 years of time, what is about to be laid out in these chapters that we're going to not really go over, or in this chapter, in chapter 11, is what the world history is happening. These battles between these kings, and they're dying, and their descendants, their, their children are taking over the kingdom, and, and this is all being laid out. And here's the thing, guys. If some of you really care about this stuff, and you're really interested in it, like the details of the history of the world. Send me an email. My, my email address is on the back of the bulletin. I'd be happy to send you some trusted commentaries that will help walk through some of that for you. Some of you could care less. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But here's the key. We have to remember that all of this detail is history that Daniel is recording before it happens. In fact, the level of detail of this history is in Daniel 11 is so precise that many people question whether Daniel really wrote it. Because they don't believe that God could have actually told him what was going to happen. So they say, well, of course, somebody else must have written this part of the book of Daniel. That's how detailed these prophecies are. But in the end, what's going to happen is, is all of this is written to remind us that, that, that he, is the, he already knows what's coming, and he is in control of what's coming, and so we need to trust him. And, and, it, and it, I'm going to pick it up at sort of the tail end of this season in world history, if you jump to verse 21, the last king of, of those empires before Rome comes and takes over the world, Rome was in charge when Jesus was born, when, when Rome comes and takes over the world around 150 BC, there's this king named Antichus Epiphanes. And I'll tell you more about him in a minute. He was not a nice person. But look at verse 21. It says, in his place, so in his, but what's happened with the, the verses we've skipped are all these kings have come and gone, and now here comes this last one. It says, in his place, a despicable person will arise on whom the honor of kingship has not been conferred, but he will come in a time of tranquility and will seize the kingdom by intrigue. Now guys, who does that sound like? Who does, just read that last little part. 
he will come in a time of tranquility and seize the kingdom by intrigue. Here's what happened. Antiochus Epiphanes, he lied and deceived his way to the throne. And, and guys, history outside of the Bible, you can take classes on this in universities. I mean, there are people that have done their whole PhDs on this part of world history and these, and these men that we're skipping. Right? This is extra biblical proof. And it all was written before it happened by God. But he lies and deceives his way to the throne. And he decides in his era, in fact, in fact, he gives himself the name Epiphanes. And the word, and the name Epiphanes means illustrious one. Can you imagine? Who else is called the illustrious one in the Bible? Satan is called that in Ezekiel, chapter 28. Right? It's, it's, it's a, he is a picture or a type of the Antichrist. And we'll see that even more as we finish up this chapter. Guys, Satan has been trying, get this, Satan has been trying to deceive his way into taking God's kingdom from the beginning. Right? That, that's what, that is the battle that happened in the garden. God said, you can have it all, Adam and Eve. It's all yours. Except this one thing. This one, don't, just, don't, just don't do this one thing. And yet, they couldn't help themselves. Not, why? Because, because the enemy deceived them into, into questioning God. Into saying, you would be better off worshiping you. Okay, and ever since then, that is the fight in our heart. It's the fight in your heart before Christ. You're sitting here right now and you don't know him. You've already tuned this out because you're like, yeah, here we go again. All this talk about judgment and sin and, 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 you've, and that stuff. I'm telling you, I know what that's like because that was me for 25 of my 50 years. I get it. Come talk to me. But guys, even after we're saved, it is still a fight to not worship ourselves because the enemy is constantly telling us you are worthy of worship. Worship. But here's the scary part, and we're going to see this at the end of today and, into, and then certainly into next week and the next few weeks. He will quickly turn that worship that we think we're like, we're like, well, it's all about me. He's going to turn it into, no, it's all about him for those people that are worshiped, that are being deceived by him. So here comes, in his arrogance, he decides, I'm going to attack one of the other powers, Egypt. But along comes Rome. And if you look at verses 30 and 31, it says, for ships from Kittim will come against him. That's, that's west of where they were. That was the Roman Empire is coming on the scene at this point. Therefore, he will be disheartened and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those, and that doesn't mean positively, he will come back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. Guys, okay, so now just, just so you understand like, what, what's happened here. He attacks Egypt. Rome comes and says, literally they come to him. He's on the beach ready to attack Egypt. Rome shows up with all of these ships. Again, History records this outside of the, the Bible didn't even spend time on it because it's about people and God's like, I don't really care about that. And they actually draw a circle around him. 
the king, physically on the beach, and they say, we want your decision before you step out of this circle. Are you going to listen to us or are you going to do your own thing? Because if you don't listen to us, we are going to come and destroy you. And he looks around at their power and he says, yeah, probably the wise thing is to just put my tail between my legs in humiliation and run. And he does. But because he's so angry and bitter, which is what the enemy does to us, right? When we don't get our way, we become angry and bitter. He goes back to Jerusalem and takes his vengeance out on God's people. Again, who does that sound like? If you know your Bible at all, if you know end times revelation at all, that is exactly what the Antichrist is going to do. As he gets, and, and guys, this is why conflict is increasing in our world. This is why conflict is increasing in relationships in this church. It's because as the enemy gets closer to knowing his destruction, as he sees that circle closing and God saying, this is it, you are done. No further. He is just getting madder and madder and madder. And guess what he's doing? He's taking his anger out on God's people. I'll just let that hang there for a minute. Now get this, guys. Guys, tell me, if, tell me if what we're about to read in Daniel, written 600 years before Christ, 700 years before John writes Revelation, tell me if these verses could not be pulled right out of the book of, Daniel, or right out of, the book of Revelation. Look at verse 32. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action, praise the Lord. Verse 33, those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many, yet they will fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder for many days. Now when they fall, they will be granted a little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall, in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. Guys, many in Israel, when he goes back, so here's what happens at the end. He goes, so he goes back, this, this wicked king goes back, he sets up the abomination of desolation. He actually, in 167 BC, I think it was, he sets up an altar in the temple of God and slaughters a pig on it, which to the Jewish people would have been like the worst possible thing you could do. Here's the scary part. Many of the Jewish people went along with him. But a remnant, this is what Daniel's talking about, a remnant hung on to the truth. Guys, here's, flash forward to today. Okay, that's all history. And it's all real history that really happened. Other people outside of the Bible, record, in fact, the Bible doesn't even record him slaughtering the pig on the temple. But it's a historical fact that he did it. Taught in universities around the globe, right? But get this, the important part for us isn't this dude, and it's, it's God is in control, and oh, by the way, he has always been in the business of keeping a remnant of his people ready for his return. Most of the people went along. Guys, by the time Jesus shows up, part of why they missed Jesus coming is most of them had gone along with the, with the world power at the time, which at that point had gone from this loser to Rome. 
So they, they weren't even looking anymore. They had, may, maybe they felt so abandoned. Now guys, get this and put it personally. Like, maybe they felt so abandoned by God that they're just like, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen you for, this is, this is a long time. This is hundreds of years. I, I can't get past when God doesn't answer my prayer like three hours later. This is, I mean, I, I, I'm not even blaming them. This is just part, this is the power of the enemy to deceive. And this is just the human condition. Guys, we, we migrate to hopelessness. And, and I wonder if that's just what happened to God's people. And I know it's what's happening in the church. It is what's happening in the church, in this, in this country in particular. We are migrating to hopelessness, so we're putting our hope in other things. Even people that are attending church, we're putting our hope in churches that, you know what, if, if, if it's just about the show or it's just about feeling good or it's just about self-help or having a better marriage or, or and, all, and, and you know what, having a better marriage and better kids, those are all wonderful things. But guys, that's not where our hope, that's not where our ultimate hope is going to be found. The enemy is going to deceive God's people right into the pit of hell if he can. But praise the Lord, there is always a people who know their God and display strength and take action. And that's us, guys. That's us. He is purifying his people. Guys, prophecy is not given for us to figure out all the details and, and all the things that we wish we could figure out as we finish, as, whether it's today or we finish Revelation. Prophecy is given to compel us to live for Christ. That's the bottom line. Prophecy is given to compel us to live for kingdom glory. It's, it's to mo and, and, it was, and that's why Gabriel is telling Daniel. And the ones that hung on to this in Daniel's time and after he died are the, are the remnant. Guys, that's why you've got to just constantly be soaking yourself in the truth of God's word. Because everything else is being whispered in, in, in more and more creative ways by the enemy, which is all about don't worship God, worship self. And ultimately that's going to turn in don't worship God, worship me. So why do we struggle? Like why? Why, why have God's people always struggled? I mean, guys, as New Testament believers, we are spirit-sealed believers in Jesus Christ. Well, first, the reason the world struggles is many don't know him. Maybe you know him, but you don't really know his word. So how do you cling to promises you don't know? Maybe you know him and you know his word, but you're, but you're forgetful. We talk about this. We leak, right? We leak the gospel. And I don't mean we leak it out to the world like, like a light, which we should and do, but I mean like, like, we, like, like our battery just runs dry. And because I, last weekend I was in a place where Fox News was on the TV all the time, where the, where, where the um, news, and, and not just because they don't, frankly, they just don't know, they don't know better. It, I, I, it sounds like I'm bashing my parents. I'm not. I love them. I had a sweet time with them. Um, but, but, but when all we're, guys, when, guys, when we're getting just infiltrated with, with so much that is not the word of God and his truth, there is no way to live in victory. We just can't. And whether that is evil stuff, like what we think of as just disgusting and pornea, as the Bible calls it, or whether it's just what's going on in the world and in, in our news 
and, and, and the negativism that's there, or, or, or whether it's just, you know what, I don't have time for, for my, for like to read and respond to the word of God, but I know every sports score going on yesterday. Guys, guys, whether your college team won or not yesterday, and guys, I, I like sports. I know ASU won. Praise the Lord. I even stayed up and watched the last part, which was ridiculous. But, but to do that instead of spending time in God's word, I mean, th that is a bottomless pit because, because whether my sports team won or not, or whatever your thing is, if it's not sports, if maybe it's video games, maybe, you, maybe you've gotten to the umpteenth level of Fortnite, I don't know. But those things are not going to renew your mind and counteract the attacks of the enemy. Only God's word is going to do that. But guys, all that we just literally skimmed through happened and happened perfectly so that we can trust that everything that is happening now and will happen in the future is going to happen perfectly too. But we have to know this. Like we have to, we have to get into this. We have to believe this. So what happens at about verse 36 of this chapter is it transitions to what Daniel called. So rather than read verse 36, turn, turn a page or two to Daniel 9 verse 27. And I'm running over, so we got to keep moving. In verse 27 it says this, And he will make a firm covenant, he is the enemy, the Antichrist. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Remember in Daniel, there were these 69 weeks that we talked about back, in Dan back when we were looking at Daniel's eight, Daniel 7, 8, and 9. There's one week left. It's called the 70th week. It's what we think of as the Great Tribulation. Daniel talks about it here. He will make a covenant for one week. In the middle of the week, he will put a stop to the sacrifices. He's going to slaughter a pig on the altar. But in the middle, of the, he's going to put an end to the sacrifices. And on the wings of the abomination will come one to who makes desolate even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed and is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now guys, all, what, what happened there in verse 27 of chapter 9 is expanded on in chapter 11, verses 36 through the end of the chapter. Daniel is getting a glimpse from Gabriel of here's more detail about what's going to happen at the time of what we think of as the great tribulation. Daniel didn't know. But guys, don't get lost in those details. Don't even, when we get into next week's details in the, in the tribulation time, don't get lost in those details. I'm, I, I know I keep saying it because it's so easy for us to do because that's what the enemy would love us to do. The enemy would love for us to sit and chew on these details because it keeps us distracted by what we ought to be doing. Right? Warren Wearsby, I, I love this quote from Warren Wearsby. He's 90-something years old. He's been pastoring for a long, long time, a lot of wisdom in that sweet saint. He says this, What should God's people do in such times of conflict and destruction? They should be strong in the Lord, carry out daring deeds of faith, and share the truth with others. Despite persecution and possible death, bad times challenge good people. Guys, the truth is, regardless of what you see on the news, there has never been a better time to share the gospel with people. Because as light and dark get more distinct, the, the, the real gospel light shines brighter and brighter. I just wonder if at this point in Daniel's life, God's people had just lost the promises of God. That that's why they didn't see Jesus come. And I wonder if we're not in danger of the same thing now. 
As we finish up this series in the next few weeks, we've got six weeks left in this series, and that'll lead us out of Revelation and into Thanksgiving, and then we'll get into our Advent season. Advent just means coming. We're going to spend four weeks looking at preparing for His arrival. Because we don't want to be a people, a remnant people, that miss His second coming, just like these people missed His first. So how does God encourage Daniel? These last two points go pretty quick. In all the darkness around you, how do you stay lit? One, you got to remember that there's a God who leads the nation and he is the one who lights our lives. Look at the, verse three, the first three verses of Daniel 12. Now at that time, so Gabriel is still speaking. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, he's, remember, like if Gabriel was the, the archangel who protected and brought the message of the gospel, Michael is like the, is the one who rules the armies of heaven for, for God, and he is the one who's going to bring Satan to his knees by God's power. And he says, in a time, and he says, he will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, there's the, the, John calls that the Lamb's book of life in Revelation, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will, will awake, those to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Guys, this is the, this is the most definitive Old Testament chapter of the, power of the resurrection. He, he is describing the end times resurrection, before resurrection was a thing. In fact, this is what divided the people of God during the time of Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This, is, this issue right here is what got them. Because they weren't buying, some of them weren't buying this whole resurrection idea. Guys, the truth is, the resur 1 Corinthians 15 says it, that the resurrection of Christ is literally living proof that we will rise again with him. If Christ is not raised, we are still in our sins, Paul says. We are, we are above all people to not have hope in anything. So, so Gabriel is telling, he's saying, you know what? Michael's going to show up in power and glory. And when that happens and God comes and Jesus comes back with a shout, like in 1 Thessalonians 4, the dead in Christ will rise. That, the resurrection is real. It is powerful and it will be glorious. But, but you can't blame Daniel a little bit for kind of having some questions. Right? And, and God knows he's going to have some questions. Like, 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 like he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what about this, this whole thing? Like, how is this going to work? You're going to have some that are rising to everlasting life and some that are to everlasting contempt? The way I put it here at Cornerstone is, guys, everyone lives forever. The only question is address. The only question is address. There's only two locations. There are two options. You will either live forever apart from God with Satan in the abyss, the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, or you will live in the presence of the mighty God who made you and loves you and sent his son to die for you. Those are, those are the two options. And they are before each and every one of us today. And it's on you to pick. It just is. And it's on us to live like we believe that that choice and that offer matters more than anything else in the world. 
But Daniel's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? And so, so God's going to give him some insight here. And he's like, okay, hang on, Daniel. The God who controls the nation is the one who lights your life. He's the one who's going to raise you from the dead. And oh, by the way, he is the lamp that's going to lead your way home. And that's true for us too. So pick it up in verse 4. Because Gabriel's already anticipating Daniel's questions. He's like, but you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will, call, will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others were, were standing with him. So now you've got Gabriel above the river and the bank of the river. And you've got these two other angels dressed that, like showing up. One of them dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river. And, and he says, and how long will it be until the end of these wonders? So he's, so he's saying like, like, wait a minute, when is this going to happen? It's an understandable question. Isn't that what we want to know? When is he coming back? When is the great tribulation? When are we, I mean, we are in the end times because that's been true since Jesus died on the cross. But when is that going to happen? Like when is the real end of the end going to come? Look at what he says. I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river. So here comes Gabriel back again and he says, and I love this. It's such a, it's such a beautiful picture of what we saw in um, Revelation where Michael raises his hand to heaven. I'll get there in a second. He says, he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives for, forever that it would be a, a, for a time, a time, and half a time. As soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. Okay, so here, the, the question, that, the, the, the dialogue that, that Daniel's getting a glimpse of here, like these, these angels are talking, like so, so they because they don't know either. The angels don't know when the end is coming. That's why Gabriel was so excited when, when God sent him to, to tell Jesus about, or to tell Mary about Jesus. He didn't know that it was that day that that was going to happen. He's like, all right, finally, right? I finally get to come and tell you. That's why he was so mad when Zechariah didn't believe him in the temple. He's like, I've waited eons to tell you this news. And, and the answer I get from you is, how do I know you're not lying? Smack, 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 shut up. Oh, sorry. I don't say that word. Be quiet. In fact, be quiet for a long time, like nine months. Until your baby is born. But they're so excited. They don't know. So he's, at, so the, he's asking the question, so when is this going to happen? But here's what God's answer is. When I'm done. That's the answer. Guys, here's our question. And we're going to see that same thing play out in the last few verses of this chapter in just a second. Here's the question. We're, our, every time our heart races to, I want to know about the details. And yeah, God, what about whether the details are what's in here in the prophecy? Or frankly, the details are, why is this relationship so hard? Why am I struggling? Why is my health failing? Why, fill in all the whys. Or how are you going to get me out of this? Or like every time we have those questions, here's, here's, the, here's God's answer. When I'm done. Here's the question. Here's, here's the real question. Are you okay with that? I don't mean right now sitting here listening to a message that's already gone too long and going, yeah, you know what, it's Sunday, I'm feeling extra holy, uh, you know, I'm here at church. I mean, in the moment that that, that, that wrestle is happening between you and your husband, or that, or that wrestle is happening at your place of work, or your kids are doing stuff that you'd rather not have them do, or in that moment when you're asking all of those completely human questions, like, and I mean human in a, in a like, that's just part, I mean, it's, it's totally understandable. To go, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, why, why are you not doing this? How long, oh Lord? How long is this going to last? Are we okay with a God that just says, 
when I'm done. When I'm done, that's how long. Because that moment is the moment where worship happens. Guys, when I say that, that all sin is a worship issue, that moment we choose to either worship God and go, I still don't get it. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. That moment is when I choose to worship God and not myself. That's why all sin is a war for worship. So Daniel keeps kind of wondering, look at what he says. Verse 8, as for me, I heard, I heard all this, but I didn't understand it. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? Totally human, totally understandable question, right? I mean, how could you not ask, um, hey God, like all that stuff you just showed me, like, like when's this happening? Because I'm still stuck here in in exile. Look at what he says. Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed, or these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged and purified and refined. In other words, he's like, I still have work to do. But the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting until attains to the the 1,335 days? And again, our minds can immediately start going, what are those days about, and blah, 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 blah. And there are are answers to those questions. I'm not going to get into them today. But look at verse 13. But as for you... He's like, Daniel, I get that I just blew your mind. I get that you have a lot of why questions. But as for you, go your way to the end. Finish the course. Keep the faith. Because there is laid up for you, brother, in heaven, a crown of righteousness. Look at what he says. Go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest. Because that rest is only entered through Jesus Christ. And rise again, there's the resurrection, for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Guys, if you don't get goosebumps when you read that, like in light of everything that's going on in Daniel's life, and then take that to what's going on in your life, if you don't cling to a verse like verse 13, you're missing it. What's our job? Go our way. Trust God. Trust that his plan is best. As the music team comes up, I would ask you to respond by asking yourself that question. How in the midst of this world of chaos, how do we stay lit? Like, how, how do we do it? Guys, the answer is we, can, we stay focused on what really matters. The Word of God. And I already talked about that in great detail earlier. The Word of God and the souls of people. Right? Go back to verse 3 of chapter 12. Those who have insight, guys, if you're a sealed believer in Jesus Christ, if you're sitting here today and you're His, you're one of those people. Those who have insight will shine brightly. That's our job. Like the brightness of the expanse of heavens and those who lead many 
to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Guys, what's our job? Our job is to reveal his kingdom glory here that the world might see it and be drawn to him. Okay, so how do I do that? How do I do that? Guys, guys, I mean, it's, it is understandable that you sit here today and go, you know what, I just want, I want to know more about it. I want to know more about the details. I want, I, his disciples did too. What did Jesus say to them every single time they would get lost in the details? I don't, even the Son of Man doesn't know exactly when this is going to happen right now. And oh, by the way, just love God and love your neighbor. That's what God cares about. Turn off the news and just go make a meal for somebody. Put down your smartphone and have a conversation with the person in front of you. Guys, we bring his kingdom here. I'm going to just go through these very quickly because I know I'm over time. We bring his kingdom here. Every time we serve someone expecting nothing in return. Every time we love someone who seems unlovable. Every time we choose to forgive someone who has not even asked for it. Every time we speak words of life-giving grace over a hurting soul. We bring his kingdom here every time we praise his name, declare his promises, and shine his light in a dark and dying world. That's our job. That's why he has us here. If you have a pulse, he has a purpose. And it's to bring him glory. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the truth of that. I thank you that you are God in heaven and that your kingdom will come and your will is being done right here on earth as it is now being done perfectly in heaven. Lord, I do pray that you would give us today all that we need to sustain us. And then tomorrow, all that we need to sustain us then. That you would forgive us as we forgive others, that, that as we extend grace to people, as we share your gospel story, Lord, I pray that we would experience your grace in deeper and deeper ways. Lord, I pray that you would keep the enemy far from us. Don't lead us into these negative places in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our conversations. Help us to be children of the light because that's what we are. The light is the light of men and the darkness will not overpower it. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you light us up. May you reveal your glory through your people here at Cornerstone Church and throughout the globe. Father, may your spirit so fill us that there is not room for any other stuff. Give us a hunger for who you are. Give us a hunger for what you've said Give us a hunger and a desperation for your return. Help us to cling to your promises. Help us to declare your praise. Make us a people that reveal your glory. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.